0: This is episode 120 of the Landscape Photography Show and on this episode of the podcast we're talking with photographer Francesco Gola. Francesco joined us from northern Italy to talk about his very unique approach to landscape photography and how he specializes in long exposure seascape photography. You know Francesco has a very unique style, and we do talk about how he came to experiencing that style and wanting to specialize and produce that kind of photography, but since he's from northern Italy, we also talk about how photography is very similar to a nice fine wine or a home cooked meal, and if you like spaghetti, just be sure and listen to the entire episode because he gives some great, great tips on how to make a very good spaghetti dish. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, we're talking with Francesco Gola today aka Frank joining us from northern Italy. Uh, Frank, why don't you fill us in on kind of what brought you into photography if anybody is unfamiliar with you and your style of photography why did you start shooting in the first place
1: okay so first of all uh ciao david and uh, hi to everybody thanks for uh this invitation so i'm really proud and honored to be here uh well I'm Francesco, as you correctly pronounced, and uh, I'm an Italian seascape photographer, actually. Right now, I am really into landscape photography, more into specific to seascape photography. And um, my niche, let's say, is the long exposure photography. Well, at the beginning, it was not like that. I think for everybody, when we start with photography, you you don't pick a specific style or... uh, branch but uh, after some time you 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 follow your uh, intuition and you follow what you want to do so uh, i started with photography let's say almost 15 years ago and uh, as everybody i bought my first camera almost uh, for just playing in my uh, day offs and uh, and to enjoy maybe the nature and then i I really found interest in uh, in seascape photography, in landscape photography is to stay really in contact with nature, not only maybe to enjoy a walk and, uh, but also to take picture and to share my picture with other people. So I think it started like that.
0: Do you remember what your first camera was?
1: Uh, yes, definitely. Well, I must confess that my first camera was a Canon 81, I think. So the, let's say the film camera that was belonging to my father. And, um, he gave it to me for, uh, let's say, a holiday for a vacation with friends. Uh, I went to Sardinia. And, uh, and so I tried to approach the, the world of photography and film photography, but it went really, really bad. So I took a lot of pictures, but when I... I went to the film store to have them developed. Uh, no, no picture came out. So I was really, really frustrated. So I, I left photography after just one vacation, probably. Uh, but then, uh, um, after a few years, I decided to try again. I, I really, I'm really stubborn on this kind of thing. So I bought a Canon uh, 450 camera that in the US market is like the Rebel, uh, Canon Rebel something, I I really don't know the name. But it was a really basic DSLR camera with the classical 1855 uh, lens. And that was my really first uh, first serious approach with photography because then I decided to to study more and to, to try to understand what went wrong with the first camera given from my father.
0: I like to learn about cultural differences a lot and and it seems to me like, and and I could be wrong here, you you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like European upbringing, European education focuses on arts a lot more than maybe North American schooling uh, or upbringing. Is that true And, and do you think that played a role in your interest in photography?
1: Uh, I'm not sure uh, that it's like that, or at least from my vision. I mean, uh, actually, I have almost the opposite idea. So I, I really feel that uh, in United States or uh, outside Europe, there is a probably a, a deeper and more serious approach to art school and these kind of things. Because at least from what I see here in Italy, if you are doing something related to art, or at least when I was at the school age uh, it was seen like uh, okay you're lazy you don't want to do something real uh, you want just to, to play with a uh, call or something like that uh, and so I mean maybe now it's different I think it's totally different because right now we have uh, really uh, much more interest in this kind of uh, things but uh, at the beginning to me it was uh, I had this idea that it was not a serious thing so that's why probably uh, I ended in uh, being an engineer so totally the opposite of the art and uh, so really schematic mathematical and so this uh, analytic approach of things and uh, but uh, right now I, I, I think that uh, of these side so to be an engineer from one side and to have a, a huge interest uh, a big interest in arts and everything related to art uh, is somehow connected and uh, is helping me a lot in my, in my photography probably uh, I can't be the photographer I am today without one of these two parts uh, of me. But in general terms, I think that, uh, yeah, in Europe now, we have uh, really great stu- uh, great schools and uh, you can even have master in uh, visual arts. So I think now it's completely different. I'm uh, really happy for that.
0: What do you think has attributed to that change over time?
1: Well, uh, it's really hard to say. I mean, um, we we say that you say more than us that Europe is the old world. I mean, we are more anchored to tradition probably, and I think this played uh, a great role in that. And uh, but I think nowadays, with the new generation, with the new approach of life, with new sensibility to some some topics, uh, I mean, there is no anymore this culture of. Uh, going to work that means go to an office to to work so with this different approach with this different with this different mindset i think that slowly 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 the generation are really changing the approach and the vision to education and to i mean to life
0: in that cultural approach i mean you know i can i've never been to italy i can only attest to what i've seen like on tv and what people tell me about you know when they go to vacation over there yeah um slower pace of life yes
1: yes definitely well you should come to italy but uh, well i if, should if, i mean are you gonna pay for my yeah i'm not sure if i can afford that but uh, <laughs> if you ever come here uh, you will be my guest for sure well yes we are we have the what is called uh, i don't know the the Mediterranean style or the, the slow life approach. And I think that this is really great because, uh, I mean, it's not always like that, of course, but uh, uh, we we understand that the, be- the beauty that we have in our country and in the whole Europe, and uh, at the end, uh, the same beauty that uh, uh, we have in all the world. But uh, we have this culture of uh, food, uh, we have this culture of tradition, we have this culture to enjoying friends uh, in a slow way so it, it's really i think a mindset that we have uh, and i really love it because uh, of course is a more uh, is a, a nicer approach to life i think uh, living in a rush is uh, not the best in my opinion
0: the reason i ask is because there's such a movement right now in A lot of landscape photographers approach to nature photography and shooting in their own style of of slower photography and not having expectations and just taking your time i I don't know if, if your background in italy and growing up in that slower pace of life that culture has has that do you think benefited you as a photographer you know taking your time and taking a slower approach
1: well, I, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, mm, I think that uh, in a way or another, we are not different to anybody else in this world. So, yeah, we, we really uh, feel the need of the, the slow life and the slow approach to everything, uh, but we live in the in the modern age, so we are forced to be in a rush and to live a frenzy life. But uh, I really think that is the opposite that uh, influenced me mostly because... Uh, I mean, when I started to to be a photographer and to be a landscape photographer, uh, actually I I was uh, working uh, for a company, I was working in a, let's say, in a big industry uh, and my life was really, really frenzy. I mean, uh, always in a rush, uh, uh, deadlines, uh, working uh, maybe the weekends. So it, it was really, really pushing me to the edge. And then actually it's in photography that I found the shelter for myself or for myself. So photography was really the opposite of what I was living in that moment of my life. So um, it's it's the photography that pushed me to a slower approach of life. And that's why probably... Uh, actually, my niche is long exposure because basically uh, I'm not a sport photographer or a Olympic game photographer when I, or a wildlife photographer. So you have to really catch the moment uh, to uh, go in the right place uh, because otherwise, uh, the, I don't know, the, the elephant will not be there the day after. Uh, I'm a, I am approach the landscape photography and this low life and slow approach to photography probably because... Uh, also with long exposure i could sit in front of a sunset and maybe enjoying uh, some music uh, drinking even a glass of wine and while taking pictures without having to move so uh, again it, it was quite the opposite for me so it was the frenzy world that pushed me to the, the slow side and the the low life i mean the, this kind of uh, relaxed life
0: so are you saying if somebody comes out to shoot with you, you'll be serving a, a nice red wine while you take a Of it course,
1: the of course. I mean... Yeah. Uh not maybe while having the sunset because it will be complicated because uh, we have to play with the camera too but uh, yeah I, I clearly remember when i was at the beginning especially while i was experimenting different uh, things and different style uh, i remember more than one evening that i was uh, out taking pictures maybe I, I tried to talk i don't know why but i remember that it was like a 16 minute of exposure. And okay, in 60 minutes, you have to find something to do. So I was uh, listening to music, maybe reading a book, and why not drinking a glass of wine? So if you join at the right moment, uh, maybe you will find a glass of wine for you too.
0: How do you keep? How do you keep it safe, though, in your camera bag? That would be my challenge. <laughs>
1: well, uh, it is a matter of experience, of course. Now of course. Uh, I can bring I can bring a thermos uh, with wine inside. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not doing such things. But uh, it will be the, the glass of wine will be the reward after a sunset, or a, not a sunrise because it's too early. But after a sunset, there is nothing better to. To, uh, to go to a nice restaurant to enjoy this uh, kind of slow food and slow life uh, we have in Italy and to really relax.
0: Give me, give me your favorite, your wine of choice, if, if you're going there to relax. Okay,
1: well, I'm really in love, in, with, wine, in, um, in love with wine, so it depends on the situation. But if I have to pick one, I suggest you a Nebbiolo, that is a red wine from Northern Italy. Or uh, if you are more close to the sea, I would recommend uh, maybe a Vermentino wine. That is a really fresh and uh, sweet uh, uh, white wine that you can find uh, in Liguria. That is one of the locations that I prefer in uh, here in Italy for my kind of photography. So every place right. you go, you can find uh, a perfect wine to match.
0: <laughs> All right, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. Great. <laughs> right. uh, you said you were an engineer, correct? Yes. Yes. It's Why great. did you choose that path?
1: Ah, well, that's a very uh, it's a very complicated question. Not because I don't want to share anything, but just because I probably don't know. I mean, uh, since I was a child, I was always uh, let's say intrigued by, I mean, technical things. Uh, I was loving to see my father maybe play with electronical things. Uh, And uh, at a certain point, I started myself to to play with, uh, I don't know, with uh, electronics, uh, with computers and uh, whatever was something digital or in any case technological. And then when I started to go to the high school, uh, I understood that my path was more into the technical world than, uh, let's say, literature or any other... uh, any other other things and so at the university I decided to to follow this path because in any case, I was really interested in the in the topic and uh, I was hoping let's say to to find really my part in my career there but then as you know I mean uh, life uh, sometimes brings you to um, choices uh, to do and then uh, at the end I decided uh, that my inner voice was more for the art world than for engineering
0: That's fair um compare and contrast for me your lifestyle both as an engineer and then as a photographer later
1: Yeah you mean uh, how uh, The differences between the two uh, Uh lifestyles. Well, uh, it's hard to say because, uh, well, when I was uh, full time working as an engineer, again, my life was much more uh, frenzied, complicated. I have, uh, I had to travel a lot, actually, but uh, for the wrong. Uh, for the wrong reason. And I think that it's while I was uh, traveling for my, uh, for the company I was working with that uh, suddenly I I started to realize that, come on, why don't uh, I, shouldn't I travel for visiting these places to, to capture picture to, to see new things with my eyes. So uh, it's due to my, it's thanks to my engineering life that, I approached to this photography life. Without uh, engineering, without that uh, rush into things, uh, without maybe traveling uh, to to new places, thanks to my job, probably I would never have decided to start with photography, or in any case, to start with landscape photography. Because uh, when I was working, or even when I was studying, at least here in Italy, where I'm living, uh it's quite different from US as far as i know so in US uh, after high school when you go to college or uh, university you 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 move you go somewhere else from uh, where you grew up here in italy it may be different and uh, in the area where uh, i grew up uh, we usually stay in the same area for a while so Basically until I was 25 I, I never traveled world so I didn't see anything in my life apart from going to Ibiza for the vacation with friends. And then when I started to 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 travel for uh, for my company I understood that I mean there was something uh, outside of my city and I fell immediately in love with that. So uh I don't know, it it was like uh, seeing something new and I was so attracted that at the end uh, I fell in love with it.
0: You you have a very distinct style of landscapes. Um, I was looking through your portfolio on your website before we jumped on this morning or afternoon for you. Um, Yeah. And I was scrolling through your images and I was really honestly struck with, how cohesive your work is together as an entire collection in in a great way and i was curious you know if you're going into a scene if you're going into a landscape what are you francesco looking for when you step just out of your car and and start working with a scene
1: okay so well um What I was doing before, first of all, thanks for your words on my portfolio and my images. Really, really appreciated that. Um, When I started with uh, this kind of photography, uh, I was really going to a place and then uh, I was trying to get the most out of the situation and the scene. Right now it's quite different because um, I'm trying to plan a lot my, my images. So when I go to a specific place, it's because I think that in that moment, in that day, in that season, uh, I can capture what I really wanted to capture. So there is a, a lot of work in planning. That is uh, something that happens way before I'm going to the field. But when I am step out from the car and I'm there, uh, I mean, uh, let's make a step back. When I'm making this planification with this planning things, uh, is my engineering side that is taking over uh, on everything so I'm really analytic I'm trying to study I'm trying to make in table so I'm I'm uh, a nerdy so a very engineering <laughs> but when I step out of the car is the let's say the the artistic side of my life that is taking over because uh, okay I, I planned everything I'm in the right place at the right moment hopefully But then uh, there is nothing that uh, you can do if you are not seeing the the landscape you have in front of you with different eyes, or I mean, not the engineer eyes. So I really try to spend some time just to walk in the area, just to find the composition, because at the end, uh, one of the most important parts of my images, I think, is related to the composition. But to find the right composition, I really need to spend uh, maybe some time, few hours just walking, just sitting uh, in the grass and just enjoying the, the clouds passing over my head. So I, I really need I really need to connect to the place where I am in order to take one of my pictures because uh, I believe that, I mean, if you saw my gallery, you see that my images they are not the representation of the reality they are not like postcard uh, with, with my long exposure i always try to to merge the reality of what i have in front of my eyes with what i'm feeling while i'm watching this uh, landscape so it's really important that these feelings come to surface so i really need to stay in the landscape and to spend some time with it in order to bring out the the take out the best from uh, the area so I'm not the kind of guy that uh, I go out from the car I place the tripod and I start to shoot I, it's it's taking some time to to reach the shooting phase
0: I have a lot of questions just coming out of your answer um because that would I mean I love that answer um when you're planning out this shoot and you say you're doing both the analytical side the nerdy side as in your words and then going out and do the artistic side in the field do you need both of those to really create a a photo that you're proud of
1: absolutely yes Um, and that's why I, i really think as somebody already said that you really can just connect dots looking backwards because i mean it's absolutely to me and at least for my photography for my specific field for my landscape is absolutely necessary to be let's say an rd an engineer because i have to be in the right place at the right moment i remember at the beginning of my let's say path in photography that i was going to a nice place that maybe i found on a, another beach or on a map i was going there and i was setting my tripod, setting my camera, waiting for the sunset. And I thought that the sunset maybe was in front of me. And then I realized that maybe the sunset was on my right or on my back. So the light was completely horrible. Or maybe the weather was not the one that I wanted, or the tide was really uh, hopeful. So uh, at the end, I, I understood from the beginning that there are things that you can know in advance. And I tried to find a way to to get most out of it, so I started this planning things. But uh, I mean, it's not the planning that make the shoot that makes the shoot. The planning is just the thing that uh, bring you to the right place, maybe. And then it's up to your creative side that uh, I mean, it's the creative side that transform your idea into a picture, because uh, uh, that's very important. So, and I really think that. If one of these two sides is missing, my photography would be completely different because it will lack either in
0: planning or in,
1: uh, the, let's say in the
0: artistic side. Labeling each of these two, I'll, I'll just label it as nerdy and creative. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how much time would you say, would you spend on, on each one when, when you're coming up with an image?
1: Yeah, well, that's a very good question because uh, actually uh, planning is also a way to escape, in my opinion. I mean, when I'm home, when I can't travel for any reason, uh, well, I can struggle on it or I can take advantage of it. So uh, when I'm home and uh, I can travel, I, I start to plan. Just for uh, something, maybe uh, I found a nice uh, lighthouse in an uh, advertisement, and I do, and I want to know where is it, and I uh, want to take a picture of it. Either uh, I'm planning for a trip in a month or so, so there is always a good excuse to plan. And um, and this part takes a lot because uh, if you really want to answer to the question, when is the best time to be there, uh, you have to. Uh, s- I mean, you have to be really nerdy because you have to check for the sun, you have to check for the tide, you have to check for the weather, you have to check for the accommodation, you have to check for everything. I mean, uh, uh, especially if you are traveling abroad. So the first time I went to Iceland, for example, when it was not so popular, it was really a challenge to be there. And uh, uh, I mean, this is taking a lot. At the end, when I'm on the field, uh, it's not taking that much time because uh, I mean, I know where to go. Uh, and my the only thing I do is just to go there a, again a couple of hours in advance when I think is the best moment for the light just to connect to the landscape, and then I take the picture. And um, then there is of course the the part related to the post production and the editing and everything else. But uh, uh, my approach to landscape photography, even if from my images you see that there is a let's say, a strong uh, visual uh, impact in my images. So they are visually, uh, somebody can say, alterated. Actually, it's an effect that I, uh, I achieve on the field. I, I don't spend much time in post-production. I think that for each picture you see in my gallery, I didn't spend more than 50, 20 minutes in editing. So actually, the the, the most time I spend is on planning. And then a few hours on the field and minutes in
0: post-production. So podcasting remotely can be really challenging, but it really doesn't have to be. With Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution, it makes the process quick and painless the way it actually should be. If you know me, I'm obsessed with quality, right? And Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video, not to mention it's easy to use. Even for my guests that aren't very tech savvy, I just send them the link to record the podcast episode. They log in, I hit record and everything is taken care of. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy with everything from local recording to automatic post productions in the toolbar. And you don't even have to leave your browser to get a single episode done in this episode you're listening to with Francesco Gola we just logged on gave him the link he showed up hit record downloaded the audio boom done produced that's it if you want to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting content needs you can go to zencaster.com slash pricing and enter the promo code The Landscape Photography Show, and you'll get 30% off of your first three months. That's zencaster.com slash pricing and enter the code The Landscape Photography Show. It's time to share your story. When you mentioned um, adding emotion, In into the image. I feel like that's probably the most difficult thing to do in in landscape photography. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely, yes. Because um, I think you have... To you can't go on the field and just set the camera to the right uh, aperture to the uh, correct ISO and press a button and hoping that something will come out. I mean, you have something to say. I mean, it, it's true that even a monkey can take a picture with a camera nowadays because they have just to press a button. But uh, the really important thing is to understand what you want to to a key with that picture i mean when i'm taking one of my long exposure actually i'm, I'm trying to uh collecting time because uh, i mean i have to figure out where the move the clouds are moving how raw is the sea so it's not just a matter of uh, setting correctly the camera but it's also trying to visualize in advance what you are going to get with that shoot so uh, and then, when you do that, you have to understand what you want to transmit to the to the image. Maybe anxiety, maybe the 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 sense of peace that you have in that place. Every time you go on the field, if you go five times to the same place, uh, all the five times probably you have different feeling because uh, you are a human being, and so you you feel different things during different days. So, and these things affect your photography. And if you are able to listen to yourself, of course, you will be able to transmit this to the camera. And so you are not anymore a monkey that is taking a picture, but you are using the camera just to as an extension of your body, as something that can show to everybody else what you are feeling in that moment.
0: How long did it take you to learn that?
1: Uh, actually, the the technical stuff is something that you can learn really quickly. Actually, I didn't, as I told you before, here in Italy we don't have uh, the approach into hard school, and uh, at least at my time, uh, so I, I learn everything by myself, reading books, uh, reading internet, and things like that. But then, um, I think that the most complicated part is really to. Uh, to communicate with your camera, to to use your camera not with the the standard setting. I mean, knowing how to use the camera in order to set the aperture or the shutter speed, but it's uh, trying to understand uh, how you can transform your idea into a picture. And to that, I think uh, you need some some years, let's say, at least, because uh, you have to try, you have to understand what it went wrong, and you have to practice and practice and practice. Uh, I, really, I really believe that practice makes perfect, and so I'm trying to apply in this. That's why I'm also following this niche of long exposure almost since the beginning, and uh, I'll, I really like it.
0: Wait, so you aren't using your camera in auto?
1: Yeah, of course. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I don't want to burn in the air, so I'm not using full manual.
0: So what What about on the emotional side, though? Making that emotional connection, not only with yourself and, and knowing what you're feeling, but transcribing that into a photograph, a, a, a JPEG file, um, well, a raw file, then a JPEG file. Um, how long did it take you to learn that part?
1: Yeah, that's is taking forever. I'm still learning, I think, because um, I mean, with especially with this, this kind of photography, long exposure photography. When you press the shutter button, you you never know what you're going to get until uh, the shot is done. Because uh, again, we our visual system in our brain uh, see things frame by frame, but uh, with a long exposure, actually, you are collecting time. So uh, it's really hard to. To understand what is going to you're going to get, and then some. Uh, in some way, I think it's like uh, probably uh, making wine because uh, you never know what is going to what you're going to get from grapes uh, every year. So making long exposure is a sort of uh, making good wine. So you never know, and uh, you have to put part of yourself in in it in order to. To, to give the the result that you want. But uh, it's hard to say that, okay, you need uh, uh, one year, two years. I know that there is the rule of uh, 10,000 hours to, to be an expert of something. I don't think this is applied to landscape photography or uh, to the emotional side of photography. I mean, uh, you have to connect with your camera and uh, you have to... To connect with the landscape so you have to translate the landscape for for the camera uh, through your vision and through your uh, feelings so it's quite complicated but uh, it's something that to me right now is something natural that it comes naturally and um, i think it's coming naturally because uh, i'm really trying and trying and trying
0: again every time that's a really Interesting argument, though, the 10,000 hour rule in quotations or, or guideline, whatever you want to call it, I could definitely see it applying to, let's say, a sport uh, like basketball or golf, getting the right swing or getting the right shot and practicing that over and over with something creatively, though. Um, I feel like there it does have to have that natural aspect that comes along with it.
1: I totally agree because, uh, I mean, the 10,000 hour, I think is something more related to mechanical things. Uh, you said, right, a swing, uh, maybe swimming or uh, doing something uh, that uh, requires your body and your brain too. But here we are talking about, uh, I mean, translating your feelings, translating chemical reaction from your brain to a camera. So uh, you can't measure it in hours, in my opinion.
0: You you mentioned a little bit earlier um, going to Iceland for the first time and, and it being completely different than it is now. H- how was it back then?
1: Uh, yes. Actually, I, I clearly remember the first time I went in Iceland. Uh, it was like, I think... 10 to 15 years ago, and the Iceland was not yet in the hype, but uh, it was already popular, of course, uh, for photography. And, uh, you know, on on the internet, you was finding uh, great images and uh, great stories about people there and uh, loving so much that country. So I decided to go, and I fell in love. It was something so different from anything else I've ever seen in my life because, uh, I mean... the. Iceland is a, a huge island, but uh, the mo- most of the population was located in the capital city, that is uh, Reykjavik. And then, when I started to drive outside from the city, it was like being in a in an in a parallel universe, really, in another planet, because it was so different from anything else. So black ash beaches, uh, mountains, ice, snow. Uh, wild animals. So it was so cool and so wild. But then I remember the last time I went there, it was like in 2013. So almost 10 years ago now, or just, uh, yeah, from 8 to 10 years ago. And uh, Iceland was really in the, in the hype, in the popular, it was, uh, let's say, a popular destination for photographers and non-photographers. And they started to build... Uh, Uh, New buildings uh, near the sea, they started to make new restaurants, big buses uh, going around. So it was not that wild as it was before. And so uh, I decided to to move to other destinations, even if I still think that Iceland is one place that you have to see at least once in your life. What
0: do you think caused that change?
1: Uh, I mean, from one side, for sure, the the fact that it's a beautiful place. And the the second side is that they know that it's a beautiful place. So they were really great in uh, promoting. They were really great to attract uh, people. And uh, when people was there, uh, people really uh, felt loved by the Icelandic population, probably. But uh, they were treated like... uh, Uh, they were treated very well so i clearly remember uh, from my first trip that i was driving alone even trying to find a place uh, where uh, to refill the car or uh, just to find a battery charger for my mobile phone and even just uh, stopping along the road uh, everybody was coming just to to ask if i needed something so uh, I think that the, the approach of the community was one of the uh, the key points of that. And then, of course, the, the country is beautiful. So it's so different from anything else or from Europe and I think from most of the places in the US. So when it became so popular for photography, so when the first uh, great pictures uh, came out from Iceland, People understood immediately that it was a place uh, to be on the bucket list, so they started to travel there. And then, of course, airlines started to make direct flights, hotels started to make uh, advertisement and so uh, you know uh, how it works. So it became really a sort of uh, uh, Ibiza of the Northern Europe.
0: I have I have an uh, an idea about the boom in Iceland um and i think it's correlated to the boom in instagram and that yeah. photographers also have kind of this this you know they 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 kind of kick-started this in a way and in, in sharing the images and, and tagging locations on instagram um would you agree with that yeah
1: for sure the let's say instagram culture changed a lot um, most location, not just uh, just Iceland. Probably, uh, when uh, Instagram was at uh, its best, Iceland was his, was uh, at its best too. I mean, uh, yeah, people started to post picture, tag places, uh, and then other people started to come to the island. Then there was this uh, "let's make a selfie" thing, and so everybody started to post selfies and not only pictures of places. So. Uh, I think it's, uh, let's say, uh, something coming from the, uh, the the mass culture. I mean, uh, every, everybody wanted to be on the same place uh, because it was cool to be there and to say to the rest of the world that, hey, I'm here. So,
0: yeah, I think that's, that's one of the reasons for sure. Be honest though. How many selfies do you have from
1: Iceland? <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of them, and they are most embarrassing selfies. <laughs> <And> that's why, <laughs> That's the reason why I never post a selfie or any picture of myself because uh, they are quite embarrassing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who do you send them to then?
1: Yeah, no, no. I just keep for my, uh, for my sad moment, just to check the pictures from the past and to to be happy again. No, just kidding. But uh, yeah, I have a lot of future, but
0: uh,
1: only for uh, close friends, let's say.
0: Let me let me ask you this. Where where do you see your photography going in, in years to come? Do you see new work coming out, new locations? Do you see, you know, tackling different kinds of styles or approaches?
1: Well, uh, that's a very nice question and uh, sometimes I ask it to myself and honestly the answer is I really don't know because uh, from one side I'm quite sure that uh, my work will be always somehow connected to the sea because I'm really in love with this subject and uh, i really found myself in peace in front of the sea that's why i love the sea and i love taking pictures of the sea then relating to my niche long exposure actually uh, i really love this technique because uh, it's really matching my lifestyle so it's really meditative it's a meditative approach to photography so i i can't see myself uh, i don't know at a football match to take picture of uh, People or uh, in the wildlife uh, trying to catch images of birds. They are all great things, and I know many great photographers in this field. But uh, now I'm following something that matches with myself, with my life, with my ideas, with my uh, beliefs. So uh, I, I think that... This will continue for a while. I really hope that this will continue for a while because this will be, is just the consequence to the fact that I will continue to travel. I will continue to explore places. I will continue to, to meet new people. So now most of my photography is related to Europe and uh, i have this kind of attraction to what is called or what i call cold water so to the north of europe so i love to travel to scotland to norway again to iceland maybe uh, one day i will uh, i will start to be uh, well for sure i will be older so maybe i need the warmer places and i will start to take pictures of seascapes in Southern Europe, maybe in Africa. I really don't know, but um, for sure, I see myself traveling until uh, my last day. I really hope that until that moment, I will be able to see things, to see people, to see different cultures because, uh, my life completely changed with photography because really i moved from uh, living in the same place and staying with the same people uh, with uh, without no idea about the future idea about uh, what is uh, outside of your town with being a, a citizen of the world let's say because uh, now i have so many friends from uh, all over the world and uh, every time i speak with them they they give me something so they enrich my soul and That's the only thing that I want to continue to do. So photography probably will be
0: a consequence of this. For being somebody who lives close to Milan, I mean, you're a little bit far from the sea.
1: Yeah, well, actually, it really depends because, uh, I mean, uh, yes, I'm far from the sea, but in Italy, it means that I'm uh, one hour and a half driving from the sea. And so basically I can do every day if I want. So usually when I speak with my U.S. friends and they say, well, I'm far from the sea, it means that they have to take a flight of three hour (laughs) flight to go somewhere. So here in Europe, we are quite lucky because uh, we have so many issues. But uh, in terms of landscapes, we were pretty lucky because everything is so close. And even in Italy, everything is so close. I can drive... Uh, wherever i need in uh, four hours driving i can be from the sea from the ligurian coast where i take my picture to the dolomites that are quite famous and it's just four hours for driving so in two hours of flight i can be in the northern europe so to take picture in scotland wherever i want so i'm really well connected that's the that's one of my advantages because actually where i'm living because i'm not really in milan but in the countryside uh, well you will never think about taking picture of this place at least uh, for uh, what i like
0: You know, that's a huge advantage that I think a lot of Europeans have. And even one of the advantages of, you know, even me pondering, like, could I, could I move there? Would I want to move there? You can be in so many different cultures, in so many different types of landscapes in just a couple of hours, either by plane, train, driving, whatever you want to do. And just my couple trips traveling throughout Europe, um, that was one of the most intriguing things that I had found and and what I think is a huge advantage for European photographers.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, uh, we are overcrowded, that's for sure. But, uh, this means also that for example, from where I live to, I mean, uh, to France is just two hours of driving and it's the same distance to Switzerland, to Austria and to many other places. So, Uh, And every country, as you know, in Italy is quite different, different culture, different languages, different tradition, different food. So it's really great to travel because uh, at the end, even if you are able to travel only during weekends, uh, you can really set so many different things every weekend. You will never get bored. So that's uh, a great advantage. And uh, I must admit that uh, I took this advantage for my photography too, for sure.
0: You mentioned food, and and I have to jump at the opportunity here, Francesco. Um, yeah. Two questions. No, number one, what makes like a really good pasta?
1: <laughs> so for sure, the fact that you don't put meatballs on it. Well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know we have this uh, food culture in Italy, so. Uh, yeah the pasta here is a thing pasta and pizza everything that is related to that side and uh, sometimes I really see on TikTok or YouTube video of uh, Americans that are trying to make pasta and I see some things uh, some, some really creepy things like uh, I don't know boiling the pasta without boiling the water first or putting the pasta with uh, with milk in the oven so many strange things. I think that the the rule to, uh, well, the the way to make great pasta, because you can find a good pasta also in your supermarket, uh, is to make it really simple and with, uh, in the Italian, let's say, tradition. So just maybe, just a bit of tomato, a parmesan on top, and uh, maybe some oil, but that's the pasta. You don't have to put many stuff on it.
0: <laughs> that's good to know. And, and my approach as well. Don't overcomplicate it.
1: Yeah, that's also in photography. It works.
0: Yes, exactly. F- photography and cooking are, are really similar, actually. Well,
1: um, yeah. yeah, and actually on that, I can say that when I'm traveling for workshop or master classes with uh, clients, uh, we always love. I always love to arrange the thing of uh, let's say rent instead of staying in an hotel or something like that. I always prefer renting, uh, let's say, a big apartment, a big house, maybe in front of the sea. Where we cook uh, every day, somebody has to cook something from their tradition. So, for example, now I'm coming back from uh, uh, from Iceland and sorry, from Iceland, from Lofoten in Norway. And uh, we were from five different countries. So, we had uh, the Indian night, we had the taco night, we had the Italian night. So, I think that uh, I mean, also spending so time like that can. Can bring something to your photography because you're really putting yourself in a nice mood and then uh, you can relax and you can put this again into your uh, feelings and in your vision in your photography.
0: I love that. I love that idea so much. What's the most interesting meal you've had out of that?
1: Uh, well, actually, of course, it was the Italian one. No, just kidding. But uh, we had uh, a very, very good uh, Italian risotto with uh, with mushrooms and uh. Uh, with the original Italian tradition uh, risotto, and uh, it was very great and uh, really appreciated from everybody.
0: Okay, it it leads me to to my next question. What just makes for you, just like a great meal of community uh food like what what kind of things do you need
1: Uh, i think that like for making a a good pasta you have just to have few ingredients and to dose them properly for sure you uh, you have to be with the community i think uh, everything is shared is better i mean if we are seated on a table with, again, five people from five different places in the world, I think it's so great because you have so many things in common that you didn't expect and so many differences that you can learn from each other. Then, of course, some good food is mandatory. So for sure, at dinner time, no cappuccino. That's another mistake that you in us love to do but uh, and at the end of course uh, a nice glass of wine is the best icebreaker ever seen in every dinner
0: now we've talked about the culinary side of your workshops that people can (laughs) expect if they're coming with you on a workshop and they're looking for the photography side what are they what are they going to get from you
1: yeah, well, for food, it's clear. But uh, from photography side, I think they will get the same approach that I have in photography. So, I mean, I will share with them. I always try to share with them the same thing I'm doing for myself. So I really try to to teach them, first of all, the respect of nature because, uh, I mean, it's uh, it's belonging to us to respect the places that we are visiting. And then to try to really connect so to, to the landscape as i told you before because i think this is the most crucial part in order to, to take a big shot, uh, good shot because uh, i mean teaching them uh, which setting to setting the camera is a matter of 10 minutes then you have to understand how to to use them in real life so um, i really try to explain them that uh, i mean probably the the, taking the picture is not the real goal of going out of uh, when you go out taking picture that is uh, it's quite a paradox but i think it's like that i mean if you go out and you go there to enjoy maybe a specific location uh, during a sunset or even a storm a violent storm along the coast then you enrich yourself and so again you're picture will be just a consequence of uh, being happy of uh, being out there and to enjoy in that show and then at the end even if you don't get any picture you will not be disappointed for sure I, I teach that if you take a picture that picture is taken on the field and not on your laptop so I don't really believe in uh, going out just to make a few picture just to say okay I have the picture and then to try to uh, recreate uh, something that was not there in uh, Photoshop. So um, I really believe that uh, the, the, the good image is out there and not in your laptop, and I try to teach people to, uh, to visualize this too, so to understand that uh, they can really take great images, not uh, following the actual trend uh, online, but uh, just following themselves
0: some might argue the food is more uh, enjoyable
1: yeah of course <laughs> <laughs>
0: well yeah. we've heard about you we've heard about you know what people can expect from a workshop from you where can people go to sign up for one of those or just kind of browse your portfolio
1: yeah great that's that's a very good question because uh self-promotion is always great uh well um I mean, they can find me on my social media. So if they go to Instagram, uh, Francesco Gola, so name family name is the way they can find me. And uh, it's an easy way to be in contact with me because I can reply to them directly through Instagram or whatever it is. Or if they want just to check uh, my images and maybe what I'm planning to do for the upcoming months, there is a website that is uh, Francesco Gola. Again, uh, my name, so francescogola.com or .net, up to you. And uh, you will find me there.
0: Well, Francesco, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and just sharing your story and, and who you are as a photographer.
1: Thank you. Thanks to you because it was uh, really great to, uh, to talk with you and to, to share uh, everything uh, you wanted. So it was great, great experience. Uh, and uh, it deserves a nice glass of wine. <laughs>
0: it's a bit early but um, yeah for you yes so yeah Yeah, no okay you are uh,
1: yeah you are still in the cappuccino time zone so enjoy
0: it hey guys thanks for listening to this episode of the landscape photography show i hope you learned a lot from francesco and myself and our conversation that we have Remember, if you want to support the podcast and keep it going week after week, you can go to patreon.com slash David Johnston and pick a tier to support the podcast and keep it going. And don't forget today's sponsor for the podcast is Zencaster. You can go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter the code, the landscape photography show for 30% off to try Zencaster for your podcasting needs. It's a great site, great platform. I've used it since day one of the landscape photography show and couldn't be happier with it. See you guys next week.